Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller and this is a pro wrestling podcast. I want to give everyone, uh, I don't know how to say this, but I hope everyone is very excited about Super Showdown, which is tomorrow of all things. I'm lying to you. I'm recording this on a Wednesday, but it's not going live till Friday. There you go. Some behind the scenes for you, some information for you. But a lot of people, I saw a lot of people in the States, are like, I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. to watch a show, but you don't have to. As WWE told us on Raw and SmackDown, they explained how time works so now you can watch it whenever you want anyway friday episodes are patreon episodes all this is supported by patreon.com for the summary 316 and today i got my man thomas on thomas how are you doing today i'm good thanks good 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 right so um we had a little chat before we came on uh, as we always do um but we always start these ones the same, which I know can be a bit ridiculous if, if people listen before. But we have to, you know, establish a foundation here, establish ground rules. Talk to me straight, man. Why professional wrestling? What made you get into it? And I'm going to assume, you know, you're an adult these days. Why are you still watching? As my mum and dad often ask me, why do you still watch this crap? What is it about professional wrestling that has obviously sunk its teeth in, ensuring that you can never leave its beautiful bounty behind? Uh, well, like I always watched a little bit here and there with my cousins and we had the video games and all that stuff, but it was the 2006 Royal Rumble. It was Rey Mysterio winning it, uh, going on to WrestleMania as a kid. I just, I loved it. I think I was 12 year old, 12 years old at the time and yeah. just, it sucked me in. Was it? Because, I mean, I never really had this. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm an old man. I'm not an old man. But I sometimes think... I, mean, I always respected Rey Mysterio, always. And I loved watching his matches because I thought it was incredible. But I'll be the first person to say... I say this a lot, but I think it's the best way to, 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 to describe it. He was never my guy. Do you know what I mean? You always have someone that's your guy for some reason that just speaks to you for some reason that you can't, you can't figure out. Was Rey Mysterio your guy? Um, really awkwardly, no. Um, no I was thinking to myself... The- I was thinking to myself the other day, my top five guys. Do it. Brilliant. Go. Right. I like this. It's straight away. Who's in your top uh, five? So my top five, when I started in 2006, my first year, and they've really stuck with me, it was um, starting from the bottom, Fit Finley. Interesting. Right. Let's let's do this one by one because, <laughs> but I, I like that answer, man, but it's not an answer. Like we could have sat here all day and I don't think Fit Finley would have come out of my mouth. Not because Fit Finley isn't awesome because he is, but it's just not, you know, it's, it's an unusual choice in a good way. So what was it about? I'm going to assume because he just kicked people's asses, but what was it about Fit Finley that made you go? Yeah, this guy's the, the boy. Well, it's a little bit. I did have a bit of bias at the beginning because my family is Irish. Okay, well, no, um, but that's, that works, uh, right? That's why I loved the British Bulldog when I was a kid. Because I was like, wow, how how has this British guy made it so far? Uh, but other than that, it was it was a little things. Like when he went to pin someone and he put the forearm over the face, and I was like, oh, that's genius. Why yeah. is no one else doing this? Nah, it looks cool, right? And it makes it look real. It was just all in little little technical bits that just made it, it made it feel legit. Like you say, it made it feel real. And uh, Fit Finley for me, um, he was one of the two guys in this list that did that for me. I love it. I love it. So basically, it's just that, I can't think of the right word, but just the, the nature of him making it seem more real than fake was enough for you to go, right, I like this guy. 
yeah, it was it was great. It kind of made me feel like I was watching something legit. I mean, as a kid, you kind of think it's legit anyway. Um, but it, I just felt more like it. I felt like I could justify watching this. I like that as well. It's weird as well because, I mean, you mentioned briefly that, uh, you know, you've got a plan to, to pop into wrestling training. Uh, I will let you know this now. The first time somebody sticks their elbow in their face to pin you, you ain't going to like it anymore. <laughs> it really, it really hurts. It's one of those things where you're like, what do you do that for? Yeah. <laughs> like, but no, I, I completely agree with you. And it's strange. Like, I don't want to go too off tangent. I really like the idea of this top five as well. But when you kind of start training, I'm not trying to be that guy saying, oh, I'm the best. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this was my experience of it. You start to realize how important those little things are. Like, I remember the first few times I did a pin, and the guy training me at the time was like, Millie, your pin looks awful. It's like, your pin looks stupid. And I was like, what do you mean my pin looks? What's that got to do with anything? But you're right. The, the things that you kind of take for granted are almost the things you have to focus on more. Because if you are just laying on someone and it doesn't look like you're applying any pressure, you've instantly broken the illusion. Yeah, it, it just it completely drops everyone from paying attention. You just you become like the toilet break of the whole event. Yeah. Because no one can pay attention to you. To totally agree. Great answer. Right, number four. Number four is the other person that brought realism in, and it was William Regal. I like this. I can see a pattern here. Did you also <laughs> did you also have an affinity for him because he was well? You know, I know you know what I mean because he was from your part of the world as opposed to being more specifically like Fit Finley was. Uh, yeah, I mean that like with Fit Finley, that was the thing that originally drew me to him, and then he was getting prominently shown with the oh, what was it? It was the Knights for Booker T. Yeah, uh, when he was King Booker and he had more of a prominent role in that and then when you look at 2008 when he was just dominant and just even now he's still even as an NXT general manager he is badass he looks amazing yeah and he gets it as well my favorite thing about William Regal and I don't think he was appreciated in his time he just gets it he just gets professional wrestling he understands what professional wrestling is meant to be like I, I just I, I don't know what it is about William Regal I think again because he's British like it you know it, 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 it just does it's just more exciting for someone like me especially because I was brought up on William Regal but hearing him talk about wrestling now and I've been lucky enough to interview him a couple of times it's just ridiculous it's like hearing a, a wrestling genius talk about it it's it, it really is it's really really just how on earth did you, I, he, I mean i understand he had personal problems i'm not here to talk about that today but i've always been like how did you not i don't get how you weren't bigger you just get wrestling so much and you had barely any ego in a good sense yeah i love him i, I think that's a great shout as well I'm, I'm gonna be honest i'm a bit jealous now that you've actually got to interview him and stuff like that oh, no, yeah. he, he just seems so amazing i think if you honestly if he didn't have them personal issues that we're not going to get into i think he could have been a massive thing yeah, no, I do as well. I mean, obviously, he had a great career anyway, especially at a time when getting to the States. That's the thing I think people forget about William Regal. And again, if you're not of a certain age, you won't get it anyway. And I don't mean that disparagingly, just why would you? There is no way for you to, you know, to get it. But yeah, the, the, real, the real amazing thing about William Regal is that, yeah, at a time when it was almost impossible to even get on WWE's radar, he managed to go over to WCW and WWE and become this huge deal. Like I don't, I, and to him, for him to do that when he did, I think is genuinely, genuinely incredible. To this day, yeah, William Regal is—he would always be one of the most underrated wrestlers ever, as far as I'm concerned, because he was never given his due in the day. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, he, he's not high flying or anything, but he is technically amazing. I mean, that knee trembler—I, I don't want to get hit with that. No, I, I, I just brilliant. He really, really is. Right, who's number three? Uh. 
Just bear me a moment. I need to remember this. That's all right. <laughs> I, I like the fact we've, start, we've started the podcast off with a list. There ain't nothing wrong with this, man. Everybody loves oh, a good list. I, I love a good list. Damn right. Well, um, I, I wouldn't be in business without it, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three was Triple H. Right, that's controversial. Now, I'm with you. I've made it clear on this podcast many a time that I'm all about Triple H. However, a lot of people... Obviously, Triple H has a controversial past in terms of what a lot of people perceived him to be doing in the early 2000s and mid-2000s and late 2000s. But, you know, give me your take on it, because obviously everyone has something different. Well, you can't deny his skills on the mic or in the ring. He's absolutely amazing. He's creative. He's got a business mind. He... Like, you look at everything he touches. I mean, not, fair enough, not every single thing he touches turns to gold, but, like, the cruiserweights, I think, are in more of a prominent position since he took over. NXT is, like, just flourishing, and um, he can draw. He can still draw. I mean, he might be the golden shovel carrier or whatever people say, but he, <laughs> if you're in the ring with him, you are getting you are getting a rub of some kind. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think that that's... No, no I, I think you're right. There's nobody trying to come up with another way to put it. Triple H, through longevity or skill or through talent or through whatever you want to, you want to throw at it, he, you know, he's made his mark. He just has. Like, you know, that, you know, I'm sure we may talk about this at some point. But while the ratings didn't correspond to what happened at the end of Raw, seeing him run out and hit those punches on The Undertaker, I know as a wrestling fan, I all of a sudden thought, well, this feels a bit different to what I'm used to. This maybe feels a little bit more special, uh, a little bit more... I don't know, there was just something about it. So I completely understand what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not an active wrestler anymore, but um, I think, was it this week or last week, he got out of the limo with... um, Stephanie got out first, and then he got out. Baron Corbin was there, and... Just it kind of had me on edge. It was like, oh my god, yeah, this feels like an event. Yeah, He's no, here. You're, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And a lot of people go, oh no, 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 and that's fine. Like, I'm not here to whatever people's feelings are is what people's feelings are. But for me, especially, uh, Triple H was instrumental in my fandom when I was first growing up. And it sounds weird, and I get it. And people go, what? But because he looked like a superhero, right? He looked like he looked like if you're going to draw a wrestler back in the sort of late '90s, early 2000s, you would draw Triple H. He's the reason I got into the gym. He's the reason I was inspired by all of that. And I did. I really liked him, and I really liked you know what he did. I admit that it took him a while to get to the point where I felt like he was a main event guy. And it's the same with his promos as well. It was a work in progress. But that's not a problem to me. I, I don't think. You don't have to walk in the door and be the finished article. And while maybe he got pushed a little bit sooner, he still got to the point where it made sense. So I, I would agree. I, I, I would put him on my list as well. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, my number two. Uh, this is pro- probably the most oddest list you've ever listened to. By I way. like Just, it, though, man. I don't um, want to hear the Rock, Hulk, Hogan. Fuck that, man. We've heard that. <laughs> We've heard that a thousand times before. I want weirdness. Okay, number two, Doug Williams. Oh, well, dude, I mean, that's just, that's amazing because I did, uh, you know, episode 100 of W's uh, Simon's Priority Podcast went up on Wednesday. Please go listen to that. I mean, it's just me saying thank you to everyone mostly. But I meant to talk about Doug Williams' retirement. I forgot just because I don't, I don't run off a, 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 a sort of a, a format sheet. I just talk because that's just, that's just the way I like to do it. And I really, really did regret not shouting out Doug Williams. I mean, I'll let you explain first, but I will definitely jump into that as well. Uh, well, it's just... He is technically brilliant. I mean, I would even say he's more technically brilliant than Regal. And, I mean, I'll be honest, when I got to first see him, it was in TNA with the British Invasion and Fortune and stuff like that. But he really, like, struck a chord with me. And then I watched all this stuff on the Indies. And even to the 
I mean, he is getting on a bit now, but he is still brilliant in the ring. And I'm actually a bit gutted at what's happened um, at Progress. I don't know if we, I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. Yeah, well, you mean him retiring? Yeah, I didn't know if Progress have aired it or not. Well, so I, I didn't mean, wanna, the, the, the way, break that wall. Well, no, the way I look at it is this: it was all over the internet. Like Doug himself yeah. came out and said that he's retiring. So if it has been small for someone, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I don't mean to try and you know ruin that for anyone. But if Doug's talking about it on social media, I think we're allowed to talk about it too. That's the kind of way I. Uh, that's the kind of the but, way yeah, I see it. He's a true great in the ring, um, as far as the UK goes. He is absolutely amazing. And I think everyone and I think everyone in the UK wrestling scene knows who he is and respects what he's done. Yeah, and you saw the amount of people tweeting him as well. Like I saw so many sort of top top US guys. Uh, you know, either quote tweeting him or applying to his tweets because he was an inspiration to so many people. And I don't want to sound like that guy again. I'm just talking about my own experiences. But technically, the very first guy I was ever in the ring with after I had my debut earlier in the year was Doug Williams. And I was told to go over to Doug because Doug would take care of me and he would make sure I wouldn't make an ass out of myself. And that's exactly what he did. He walked me through it. It was effortless. Um, you know, it was just easy. And within that moment, I, I already thought I knew how good Doug Williams was, but I, I, I properly realized within those few seconds of working with him when I was like, this is why he's one of the best. He just gets it. I felt like he was shouting, right? When he was feeding me instructions, I felt like he was shouting. And you watch it back, you wouldn't have been able to hear a pin drop. And it's just, you know, uh, he, he's just a man. He's just, he's excellent. Um, I, I think he probably deserves actually even more respect and adoration than he gets just because without him, we wouldn't even have a wrestling scene to boom in the UK. You know, he was still doing it when there wasn't TV deals and the internet and social media, which has helped wrestling no end. And Doug Williams not only kept fighting away, but when that stuff did all explode, he made sure that he was a part of that as well. And I agree with you. I think it is a shame, but I think he's had such a long and storied career that whenever he decided to kind of hang up his boots or whatever the, the, the terminology was, it would be hard to criticize. But yes, I, 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 I couldn't have more respect for Doug Williams. And like you, I think there are a few people within wrestling as a whole that I actually do respect more because he just did. He just, he was just a man all around. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't add anything more to that. I mean, he is just absolutely fantastic is what every British wrestler wants to be. Yeah, I mean, he re again, I don't think it can be uh, understood how important he was that British wrestling got to where it was, which is why I think it's kind of fitting that he retired, you know, Wembley show, Progress, you know, a lot of big tick boxes going on there. And yeah, I think that's a great choice for number three, and I think it's much deserved as well. Was that number two? I can't remember now. That was, num that was number two. That was number two, so I'm getting confused. What's number one? Who's number one? Give it to me. No Rey Mysterio, uh, we know that. No, no, no. So it... it I'd like to just say, like, it is a very odd list. Obviously, like, you haven't, I haven't got stuff. People like the Miz and stuff like that, which I do love. They, they didn't even make the cut. It is a very controversial choice. It is Mr. Anderson slash Kennedy. Well, that one I wasn't expecting. Now you may have to, uh, you may have to sell him. me on this one, man. Now I won't lie. When he first busted onto the scene around about ten years ago, I absolutely thought there's something here. But I've always felt like when he left WWE and went to Impact, he was fine with TNA. He was fine in TNA, but I never thought, thought he sort of found his momentum again as, as he had in WWE. So sell it to me. What was it? When did you first get into him and why did the love continue? So it was when I started, like 2006 uh, time. It was, you know, it was the time that he'd just broken in kind of thing. And um, it was the mic drop and... You know, weighing in at a freaking impressive 246 pounds. 
coming from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and just how long he held it and held the crowd's <laughs> attention, and then, and then just you could count to ten. Everyone was silent, and he slowly drew the microphone in, and just went Kennedy. <laughs> but what about? So go on, man. Sorry, I was going to say, and just um, even the times where he just wanted to be a mega dick, and he'd just go. He wouldn't even wait the 10 seconds. He'd just go, Kennedy, and just like, throw it away. He just had you in that moment. But what about when he left WWE? Because that is to me, I was the same. I was in. I was dialed in, and I was like, yep, this guy is the man. But what about when, yeah, he decided to, I've done this. Uh, well, no, we all know what happened. He didn't, he, he got let go because of a, a whole host of things. But what, did you follow him to TNA? I mean, what happens when he leaves there? Or was it just that you enjoyed his run in WWE so much? You were like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Um. So I was already watching TNA at the time and then like he debuted and he felt a bigger thing there. Like he didn't, sorry, just one sec. <laughs> sorry, I just had to um, cough that. Uh, but yeah, he felt like a bigger thing there than he did in WWE. And it didn't feel like the same, like, oh, let's take a WWE guy and just push him to the moon. It was, it was like he should have been here. He could be himself. Like he could say, the phrase, or oh, was it, um, nice guys don't finish, nice guys finish last, so thank God I'm an asshole. Yeah, yeah, But he could let loose with that. He had t-shirts made, and he couldn't have that in WWE, and just the way he had, he had the crowd, um, even, he was more prominently shown, I think Anderson was a better name, um, and just everything about him, he didn't feel forced down your throat, well, not at the beginning, um, but yeah, I loved it. He was his fighting style as well. He wasn't he wasn't high flying or anything. He kind of felt like this is what I would be if I was a wrestler. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's still doing stuff now. I mean, I saw on Instagram that he had a match against Nick Aldis when he was um, NWA champ. Um, so you know, I mean, you don't get to see him as much anymore. But I'll always remember that he was the guy that at the beginning. I would watch every Raw or SmackDown just to hear him go and just scream his name into a microphone. I'd have to be hooked on TNA for that exact fact as well. So, did you, why, that's a phrase this, <laughs> to me, when, when he left Impact especially, but I may be wrong because I didn't follow his career, but it certainly felt like to me he just dropped off the map entirely. I know he's got a wrestling school now, but is that what happened? Like, did he, did he leave you know, uh, TNA and then just stop doing stuff or was it just the end of a career? And cause I'm not investing in it. I don't know. I mean, what kind of happened towards the end of that run? Honestly, I don't know. I stopped watching TNA at that point. It kind of fell apart for me. And it was around about the time I stopped watching, uh, wrestling. Cause everyone always there has it is. a, there it is. We'll talk um, about it. You stop worry. watching. Yeah. You stop watching, you come back. Um, so I, I didn't follow him too much since then, but he'll always have a place um, in my top five, 100%, for the fact that if it wasn't for him, then, like, Rey Mysterio brought me into watching it, but he kept me there. Interesting. I like that. That's a, that's a good way. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I you know, I, I saw him in Impact and stuff, but after that, I don't know. I, I don't know where he went. I just, yeah, I just thought, I thought, he, I thought he was, I thought he was done. Well, look, it goes to show, man. It goes to show how, when it comes to professional wrestling, some people can just have a certain way about them, a certain je ne sais quoi, as they say, a bit over the top, but it's true. And other people won't even blink when it comes to... Like I say, Mr. Kennedy would never have made it on my list, but that's why it's even better than he's on yours. Because, again, without Mr. Kennedy, maybe you wouldn't have watched wrestling for as long as you did. However, no. you got to a point where you didn't want to watch anymore. 
Tell me about that. What was the catalyst for it? And if, whether or not, I assume you've come back round now. So what brought you back round? Okay, so I stopped watching the Royal Rumble 2014. So it was kind of like a full circle. I started watching Royal Rumble 2006 and stopped on 2014. Um, it was the infamous one where Punk left. Uh, but it was just, it was so difficult to watch it and stay up to date on it. And like I was working about 60 hours a week doing overtime and stuff. I just didn't have time and yeah. it just wasn't engaging me enough to take that, you know, to take that risk to be like, okay, I'll watch wrestling and work at the same time. Yeah, of course. Oh, no, it's, it's a heavy investment, even more. But I assume you've come back now, right? Uh, yeah, it was, um, I was at work one day and there was a guy there at my work who watched a lot of wrestling. He was, he knew I used to, and he said to me, did you hear Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar in 90 seconds? I was like, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> and I went and looked. Um, I went and looked on YouTube to see if I could find a clip, and I stumbled across um, I stumbled across WrestleTalk first, and I was like, oh, and this is everything I've been missing. And then, like, a What Culture video came up underneath, and it was the... Um, one of the people that have now left. Uh, you can say if... their name. You can say their name. It's okay. <laughs> well, it, the person that, the person that is wants nothing to do with wrestling anymore. Right. So, yeah. It, it, but it was him, and I saw a video, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I was really getting sucked in. And, yeah, it was just, you know, going through the YouTube videos, it was kind of getting me more invested in everything I was missing, and the product was getting better, and the NXT people kind of, showing me how good it could be and it just brought me back so you really you really did get back into wrestling because of youtube videos it's really sad to admit no it's not doing something honestly i know loads of people (laughs) that not only have got back into wrestling through youtube videos but some people that only watch youtube videos when it comes to wrestling it's not sad at all dude i mean hey you keep me in a job so thank you very much i appreciate it but you know on top of that i think loads of people do that so you're certainly not in um you're not you're not in sort of limited comp- company whatsoever. But did it did it go from watching YouTube videos to then tuning into Raw, tuning into SmackDown, or do you kind of still keep your distance and just get updated on the things you want to get updated about? So, uh, firstly, speaking of the YouTube thing, really random, but I just wanted to bring it up to you. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I was down south. I'm not going to say where, um, but uh, I was down south. I bumped into Jack the Jobber. <laughs> And I met him, I got a selfie with him and everything. He was such a nice guy. And I was just thinking, oh my God, in two weeks' time, I'm talking to Simon Miller. Well, that's very kind. What did he say? But I'm not that guy. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I didn't know if I'd met him before because obviously meets a lot of people. And just, I said to him, I like the content and all that. And he told me why he was down there. He was there seeing his girlfriend and stuff. And obviously, I don't want to say where it was because I want to give him some privacy and whatnot. Yeah, of course, of course. But. Um, yeah, he was just such a nice guy. I mean, it was just a chance encounter lasted all about a minute and I got a selfie, but such a nice guy. I mean, I was, I was actually shaking a little bit afterwards. I was like, it's really sad to admit about a YouTube, you know, a YouTuber, but no, it's not, man. He, you, you, he is someone I watch on a daily basis. Exactly. Like, wow. And got you back into wrestling in some way, way or another. So, you know, you had a, a connection to your life. I think that's sad at all. Like, it, it, and if it is sad, then it's sad to meet you know anyone that's famous because you know what is even fame you know people kind of make up what fame is we don't talk about that that is not what this is all about but you know yeah that is the 
Uh, that is the crutch of it. It means something to you. It's going to mean something you bump into him. And Jack the Robert is a good guy. Uh, I like that. But no, not at all. I think it's cool you got back into in, into all that kind of stuff, man. Um, so do you watch Raw Weekly now? Or is it still something you got on the precipice? Um, so what I do is there is some very, very nice people on YouTube who put like a 30-minute trimmed down um, like highlights of Raw, which... I'll wake up in the morning on my way to work, like getting ready for work, and I'll watch it. And then on the way home, I'll watch reviews. If I can watch up and stand down, I'll watch ups and down. Yeah, watch yeah. ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> um, just like if I get a chance to, I will. Uh, same with WrestleTalk, same with just anyone that's got a review, just so I can – because highlights are good. You can see the action, but they do cut out some bits. Yeah, context, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I don't watch – I'll watch it if it's a big one, um, like if it's a draft or something like that. I'll watch the pay-per-views, 100%. But uh, just the weekly shows, I'll just watch the highlights. That makes sense. And what do you think... Because, I mean, the, the the experience you've just described, I think, is an experience a lot of people have when it comes to wrestling in 2018. In fact, I'm doing a What Culture video about this as we speak. I need to record it later today. But... The Raw rating obviously came out this week. It was the lowest rating in the modern era, second lowest of all time, blah, 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 ins and outs. But obviously you are still technically aware of WWE and still invested in WWE, just in a different way to how we used to be back in the day. So when you hear that, you know, the Raw rating's done so bad and you see these people reacting to it, I mean, do you look at it and go, oh man, this is doom and gloom, it's the end, what are they going to do? Or are you more on the lines of, it doesn't matter because TV has changed. There's no two ways about it. TV is still massively important. I think a lot of people downplay how important TV is. I mean, that's why these companies are paying so much money for it. And you could say they're doing that to try and keep it alive, but I disagree. And I love YouTube. YouTube has been so good to me, and I'll never be able to thank it enough. But there is still a disconnect between YouTube and TV because anybody can go on YouTube. Like it, We can all just go and film ourselves on YouTube right now. But on television, you actually have to have someone saying, yes, you're going to be on television. There is a certain perception and, and, and coolness to that. So, and also, I totally believe that I don't think fans need to be worried about TV ratings at all. What difference does it make to a fan? You either enjoy it or you don't. It doesn't matter who else are watching. But you know, as a fan who, I, I mean this in a, in a completely neutral way, not a bad way, but as a fan that technically contributes to this low raw rating, but yet still enjoys WWE for what it is, or at least you found a way to enjoy it in the way you kind of divulge it, what is your reaction, again, when you hear about low raw ratings and doom and gloom and, and, and all this kind of nonsense? Or did you just not care? I mean, it's been around 25 years. You're going to have ups and downs. Damn right um, you are. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> I just realized when I said that. Yeah, so I say it all the time. Don't worry about it. And then I, I look at myself like I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so you're gonna, you know, 25 years, it's not constantly going to go up. You know, what goes up needs to come down. You're not going to hit the ratings that you did in the Attitude Era because, you know, it was, it was fierce. It was competition. Everyone was, like, really invested. But... I think it's still respectable what they do now. Um, it might hit a bit of a down patch with the NFL and everything else like that. But you know, all in all, I think like this week's um, this week's RAW. I think that was the lowest ever rated, and I thought it was a pretty pretty solid show. To be fair, I mean with the whole Shield uh, tension and whatnot. What do you think about having guys like Undertaker, Kane? You know, Shawn Michaels and Triple H coming back because there is this, there is a bit. Well, I'm not saying it's a large community, but it's certainly a loud community that doesn't think they should be on the show. You know, they they actually think that 
you know, it's, it's the wrong way to play it and that nostalgia is bad and blah, blah, blah. I love nostalgia. I just do. I think it's great fun. It puts a big smile on my face. I like seeing the old guys back. Maybe I'm being a bit short-sighted, but if so, I am. I'm being short-sighted. Like you mentioned Goldberg and Brock Lesnar being the reason you want to get back in. I loved all that. I loved it. I loved seeing Goldberg back in the ring. It made me want to do backflips. But, you know, what... I mean, basically, how do you want to see wrestling evolve over the next few years? Because eventually, we are going to run out of stars. That's just the way. I mean, even now, we've kind of run out. There's no more WCW guys. Uh, you know, the kind of the big four are doing it now. Shawn Michaels is going to come out of retirement. It seems like and we'll talk about that in a second as well. But how do you want wrestling to go ahead? Or what does wrestling have to do to make sure that you stay involved? Because that's a big thing people are, are talking about now. Is you know why 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 would I keep watching WWE? Now, it all depends on what you. Um, uh, you know, what you think of the product in general. But some people say they cannot watch anymore. And clearly you still are. But again, yeah, what would you want to... How do, how do you see WWE specifically evolving to the point that these TV ratings aren't going to turn around and bite them in the ass in five, six years' time? Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was a big question. Um, I mean... Firstly, with the four that came back, you got you know Triple H, you had basically DX Brothers of Destruction. I don't mind that. I quite I quite enjoyed that personally. I mean, uh, for me, as long as they're not going for titles, yeah, um, I agree. I that, agree. Yeah, um, and stuff. As long as they're just there in their own thing. I mean, like Triple H isn't going to go for the Universal Title right now. He's he's just there settling a feud with the Taker, and it's its own self-contained thing. And it's it's gonna you know it's gonna attract some people. I mean, you have got to accept that. Uh, as to drawing people in the future, I mean, I mean, you just need to groom the people you've got. I mean, like you've got Velveteen Dream, and I think in a couple of years he's going to be fantastic. You've got you've got Finn Balor, who's got like quite a few years in him if they utilize him properly, like they did back in uh, back when he first debuted on Raw. Will they though, Thomas? That's the question. Finn Balor, <laughs> Finn Balor is just like this ticking time bomb that every now and then just explodes and everybody just goes, oh, because I don't think they're going to. I, like Cesaro, when there was that, you know, there's few years where people were desperate for WWE to push Cesaro and he found his place. Now, my controversial point to this is I actually think Cesaro's perfect where he is in WWE, but we don't need to talk about that. People get mad. But... I actually, I don't think it's for Finn Balor, but yes, a lot of people, uh, to me anyway, WWE seems to have decided this is Finn Balor's place. He's not a world champion. He's always going to be, I don't even know what you call him now, upper mid-carder, lower mid-carder, whatever. I mean, how does that make you think? Because clearly a lot of people like him, like you and I, I think it's sort of the internet wrestling community, you hate that term, but you know, it's, it, it does, it's a good way to describe certain people. You know, they want Finn Balor to be more. I don't think he is. So what happens then? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with not being like, you know, top of the card kind of person. I mean, they're going to keep you around for the demon gimmick. I know you don't personally understand that. Makes no um, sense the demon gimmick. I don't hate it, but it makes. A... Also, I'm more I'm more fond of the demon gimmick now after talking to kids about it, which is a weird sentence. But I mean, anytime you talk to a kid that <laughs> likes wrestling and they know they love they love the demon, they love it. They think it's amazing. So it's hard to be too down on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still a kid compared to you, and I love it. So, but I'm nearly 25. So nothing wrong with that, dude. <laughs> take, take that as you will. I am. I am an old man. <laughs> um, but like, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you look at oh, perfect example actually. Uh, you look at Elias and Kevin Owens this week. I mean, um, Elias is probably never going to reach that world championship kind of area, or at least hold it. But just the six minute of pure booze for one line on Raw. And that's just that's incredible. And he's gonna draw. 
it don't matter if he's a world champion. Or not. I think he's personally, I think he is amazing. He don't need it. It's kind of like the Mr. Perfect thing where, you know, you might not be in that world championship holding um, position backstage, but you can still make a name for yourself. You can still draw people. You can still keep interest. I mean, it's not the end of the world. With the the booing on Raw, though, a lot of, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm saying it's an interesting way to look at it. A lot of people said that, A, it was a line done for cheap heat, which minimalizes it a little bit. I don't agree. I think it was, I, I, I would disagree with that. But they also said by the time that Kevin Owens was fighting Bobby Lashley, all that heat had dissipated. It was no longer there. So was it actually something that made people hate Elias more? Or did they just hate that he said and it kind of yeah broke away in, in that sense? So... I guess my point is that I totally I, to, I talked about this on the podcast on Wednesday. WWE desperately need to find a way to get those kind of reactions more often because it reminded me of the Attitude Era, and the best thing about the Attitude Era was the crowd. They would cheer and go nuts for everything, and that just made it all the more fun. And that's not on the fans. That's not the fans' responsibility. That is WWE's responsibility. They need to come up with a way to you know, get that reaction for the fans. They just do. They need to engage them in that sense. But I will put my hands up in the air and say, well, that is true. Come the match afterwards, Kevin Owens was no more hated than he was. Elias was no more hated than he was. It was an amazing moment, but it had no follow through. Now, I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with 100%, but I agree with the argument. Do you, do you think like when Elias goes to, I don't know, New York in a few weeks time or whatever, California, Wisconsin, is he going to be more hated because of that segment or is it just a moment that we just enjoy? Basically, are we living too much in the YouTube generation? It was a moment to be watched on YouTube and now we just move on to something else. I'm not going to lie, I think it was a moment, but it kind of makes you think of him a bit more. And, I mean, it's not going st- to stick around. Um, like, you could just get the normal cheap heat um, next Monday or in Australia or whatever. But, you know, you can't deny his accomplishment there. And you've got to think it's, you know, maybe raise some eyebrows um, backstage of the fact that the booing was so loud they had to shout at each other just to be heard. Yeah. No, I, I really liked it. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was awesome. I genuinely sat there and I watched it and had a big smile on my face. And it, it was one of those moments that reminded me why I love wrestling. That is why I love wrestling, for reactions like that. And that's the kind of thing you can't explain to people that don't watch it. Like People are like, well, why do you like wrestling? And you're like, well, because stuff like this happens. And they're like, well, what the, the, the flip is that? And it's like, unless you get it, I can't explain it to you, which sounds ludicrous. But but it's true. And in that moment, I guess because I'm a, you know, back in the day as a kid, it would have been different, but I'm an asshole wrestling fan now. I can't help it. It made me like Elias and Kevin Owens so much more. And I liked them anyway. But seeing them involved in that and seeing the kind of wry smiles on their faces and, you know, I, I still think that Kevin Owens, you know, didn't have that line scripted for him about, you know, when he, when he insulted the basketball team for a second time. I think he just called that by himself because he was like, well, this is going to annoy them even more. And... <laughs> Yeah, those moments, to me, is always what reminds me of why I'm a wrestling fan. But if we want to get more of those moments, which I think we do, I do think we need to tie it into the overall story. And I don't know how to do that. I don't have the answer. I'm lucky that it's not my job, which is why I don't want to criticize it too much. But yeah, like that's what WWE is missing. When that, the, the big takeaway for me when that was always done, like this is what WWE is missing. Crowds don't react like that anymore. And again, I mean, I'll be sorry. I'll be I'll be fair though. Um, like. Uh, my girlfriend watches a little bit of wrestling with me. Like I'll, I'll sit her down, I'll chain her onto the sofa, and I'll force her. I'll like sellotape her eyes open, and, like watch this. Yeah. Um. But not, not literally. Please don't report me to authorities. No, no, no. Um, you, you do what you gotta do, man. <laughs> it's, it's all on you. 
Um, but yeah, I showed her. I show her some things, and she, like she loves personally. She loves Braun Strowman. I mean, that's her. That's her bay, as she says. But <laughs> I, I, made, I made her watch the Elias Kevin Owens segment, and like she's never she's never too fussed, and she loved the amount of heat they got. Like she like, and that I think that's what might intrigue newer viewers. Like, oh, you know, see how hated these people are. I think. She, yeah, she loved it. But I, I think as well, it comes down to the fact that when that happens, I mean, I know this is kind of different to how people watch TV, uh, uh, TV nowadays, but or how interact with TV anyway. The thing is, I think the reason it's so important is because if you were just flicking through the TV and you heard that reaction, you'd hang around for a while because you'd be like, well, "What the hell is going on here? I need to know." So you know, I, I better, I better not go anywhere. You know, it's, I think that those kind of reactions do get people in. Like you've said, it, it worked with your girlfriend. I imagine it would happen with lots of people. And again, that's a big reason why I think they need to work out a way to, to get those reactions back. And you could argue the crowd's just too smart these days. That may be the case. I don't know. Maybe the crowd is too smart, but they weren't too smart there. You know, they, Elias said a line that genuinely triggered people, and he had them in the palm of his hand. And as you said, you know, your girlfriend that you have to tie up to watch wrestling she liked that she liked that there was something about it where she was like yeah i don't there's something i think it's because it's emotion i always i've said this too much recently but it's true when i went to that all-in show i'm not trying to all into the all-in show it's just my example the first match on that card was the briscoe brothers versus scu and everybody was so desperate for that event to be amazing they cheered the hell out of everybody and i felt it emotionally i genuinely did i was i can feel this in my bones because everyone is going so crazy about it and that really did hit me in that moment. This is what wrestling's missing. This is what I need. I don't necessarily need good storylines or baby faces that I love or heels that I hate. I just need the crowd to be proper, emotionally, instinctively invested so that while I'm sitting at home, I can almost feel that energy pouring out of my TV, which sounds stupid, but it's no, true. I agree. Completely agree. I honestly think if that happened, out of all of the other problems that people say WWE has, it would see... A, a, an upturn be that in whatever whatever figures you want to throw at it I, I think that would that would help because i think they got the talent I, I i think roman reigns in that position i mean there's obviously issues there but i don't think that's the issue at all i just think you just need that you need that electricity you know WWE always said the best thing about pro wrestling is you know what's the word that i'm looking for um you can't compare the live environment to anything else and because of that you you got we got to back that up, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think sometimes if you'd never watched wrestling before, you could tune in and be like, "Well, it's okay," but you know, and I, I don't know that one moment. It just sucked that it went away so quickly. I'd like to I'd like to see more of that, and also it's now a moment that Elias hopefully can use, you know, to fuel him forward for some time. I would guess you know you could talk about it, and they dealt with it way. I don't know. I, I just I, don't, I think sometimes WWE can be a bit confused, you know, which we're seeing with Roman Reigns. We're now seeing with Becky Lynch. I think if Dean Ambrose turns heel, everyone's going to cheer him too. So it's just a bit of a of a, of a crazy situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I've got nothing to say because I completely agree with it all. No, no, it's true. It's, what, yeah. It is. I mean, I, I, whether that's all of a sudden going to going to choose, I don't know. A change, sorry, I don't know. But I, I would certainly, you know, I, I would certainly, I would certainly like it to. Um, obviously, Super Showdown is tomorrow, not as we talk, but when this goes live. What is your impressions of these new events that are coming up? Because a, a bee I've got in my bonnet at the moment is, I just think it, it gets a bit convoluted, in the sense that we have Super Showdown tomorrow. And then we have WWE Evolution in, I'll get the exact date. I, mean, I know it's late October, but let's get the exact date. 
uh, is the 28th of October. And obviously on the 3rd of November, whenever it is, is Crown Jewel. Now, I know you could argue the Australia and Saudi Arabia ones, maybe they don't count as much to the, you know, the normal pay-per-views. But for me... I think WWE focusing on trying to put over three pay-per-views at all times becomes counterproductive. It's like, how on earth do you keep this up if, you know, all three, all there's sort of three different strands aiming in different directions? Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, what's the word, oversaturating, in my opinion. Yeah, it is, it's, yeah. It, they don't feel special, right? I mean, the women's one feels independent, but... I feel like it could have done with being better promoted because it's it's a landmark thing for WWE. It might be controversial and people are a bit hit and miss on it, but it should be pushed a lot better. Not overly pushed, but I mean, at the minute, um, I was thinking Super Showdown this weekend and I was thinking Crown Jewel just in the back of my head just a tiny bit, but I completely forgot Evolution was even happening. And... Uh, Crown Jewel as well, that's on the uh, it's beginning of November and we've had one match announced and then nothing said at all. Well, it's kind of feels a bit wasted. No, I think that's the issue, right, as well, because we're meant to care about this six-way, six-man tag match between the Shield and the big dogs, whatever the hell that are, the dogs of war. But then we know in a few weeks after that, it's going to be Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. So it's like a difficult... Again, I think the problem is you're watching Raw and SmackDown. You're like, well, where, what do you want me to watch? What are we aiming for here? You know, I, that's that, that's where I get a bit confused. Is that right now we've got three different things that we're building towards. If you're a new watcher, how on earth are you supposed to know? You know what? You know where where are you pointing to be towards next? And because Super Showdown especially feels like a build for Crown Jewel, then you get even more convoluted and even more confusing because. We're now using pay-per-views as setup shows for other pay-per-views. And then we've got this one in the middle of the evolution, which is, a, is, is interesting in itself. I don't want to call it a gimmick. That's too much. But, you know, it is an all-women's pay-per-view, which means it does feel a little bit different to what WWE have been doing for the last 20-odd years. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Again, new viewers especially, I don't know what they're meant to think about this because it is just so, well, it's, it's just so nuts. And I think... It's a, I just think it's got too confusing, and I think we kind of maybe need to reverse it to the point where I'm not saying that we have to go Raw SmackDown pay per view, Raw SmackDown pay per view. But if you've got all these, you know, there is apart from Survivor Series, there is no other pay per view that couldn't be shifted this year. So in October we can have Super Showdown. In November we can have Crown Jewel. Oh no, so I'll change it back. You know, November you can have uh, Survivor Series. Put Crown Jewel. In January, if you have to do another Saudi Arabia show this year, and then move Evolution to February or something, I don't think we need to. Yeah, I just don't think we need to to do all of this just because you have the W Network. And I understand you want more subscribers, but I don't think we have to push it to this degree. I think it also just comes down to money as well, like everything does. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're gonna have to. They they're gonna do the Saudi show just because they're getting paid so much money. I don't know what. Um, what the thing is with Australia, but they're pushing that quite hard. I'm, I might be the only person that's going to say this, but I'm actually a little bit excited for the Australia one. No, don't get me wrong. I really like the these shows they do abroad because it feels like a, a, a window into a world we were never meant to get. Like I always think that's that's. I like the fact they do it, but they just don't need to overdo it because as soon as you start overdoing yeah. everything, then you're like, well, now it just feels like the norm. 
I mean, I will watch the, su- the, the, the Super Show, Dan. But it's at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. That's ridiculous. But that's why, that's why it's fun. Are you going to watch it? Have you got it planned in? Yeah, I'm, um, I've already said to my girlfriend, I'm getting up at 9 o'clock. I'm making sure everything's ready. And uh, I'm going to plonk my butt in front of the TV at 10, 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock and then just reflect on my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all do that, man. Don't worry about that. We do that every day. But yeah, like um, I've I've been planning this for about a week. I've even said to her, like you're not you're not getting the telly. It's it's mine at ten o'clock. Yeah, and that's cool though, right? That's exciting because you. When else would you ever do that on a Saturday morning for wrestling? You just wouldn't. So in that sense, I think it's awesome. But then how? I mean, look, we're all going to watch Crown Jewel as well. We're that we're that group that will watch. But how are you going to feel in a month when they're doing it again, and the week before you watch the pay per view, and then you have got Survivor Series in three weeks' time, and throughout all this, Raw and SmackDown have been trying to juggle and balance all of this. Like it's just it's a bit preposterous. Um, when Greatest Royal Rumble was on, um, I was actually out of town. I was at my girlfriend's parents, and. Um, I couldn't watch it because obviously it's rude too and we were staying there for a few days and it was such a long show and nothing happened um, nothing of merit really and I struggled so much to catch up I eventually did catch up but it was such a struggle that to be honest I was I was wavering on whether to continue watching like it felt so too much what just too much content yeah I mean I just it was too much like you had this pay-per-view you had i think wrestlemania was just before it and you had another one coming up and i had to hold off watching the highlights of raw and smackdown and all the youtube videos and stuff so i think i was about two a two-week backlog into everything yeah well, that's the problem right? when finding the time. yeah finding the time is it, it, that's the hardest thing in the world that's why i'm lucky to do what i do so i can tie it into my work day otherwise i don't understand how anyone's meant to catch up and i think that has been the biggest problem of the modern era it's so easy to get content out there that wwe especially just overdo it i i, I think sometimes you can sort of try and pull back on that and less is more and and all that jazz but you know again what do i know maybe if i ran wwe i'd run it into the ground probably would <laughs> let's face it um but yeah i'd I, I be intrigued but i am looking forward to super showdown do you expect anything big to come out of that event like i'm convincing myself that samoa joe's gonna win the WWE title which is probably ridiculous but i want it so badly i've decided just to throw myself in or do you think it will be quote unquote a glorified house show uh well firstly the cruiserweight match i can't wait for that because i'm a big buddy murphy fan um so I'm quite looking forward to that if they actually let a hometown uh, person actually win. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I can see AJ Styles winning, but I hope it's not a screwy finish. Yeah. Um, but only because I want The Miz to win his match and The Miz to take the title off of AJ and then build that with Brian chasing the championship leading up to like WrestleMania. I'm long-term booking in my head here. <laughs> Can you see that happening? I can't see it happening. I can't. I mean, I'd like I, it. I think it's a good way to do, but I can't see it. I, I think when the Miz was uh, WWE champion at the time, he wasn't ready. But now you watch him on the mic and everything, and I think he's ready for it. I think him and Brian leading up to that WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania 35, five minutes—not five minutes, five years after uh, Brian's big biggest triumph. He beats his longest rival for the world title. Yeah, be I wonderful. think that would be fucking. That would be. I would really enjoy that. It would feel nice as well, and it would be unsurprising. And it's funny you say that about um, 
uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, what's his stupid name? Uh, the Miz. When I was listening to him yeah. on commentary on SmackDown, I did have this moment where he was just so good. And I was like, man, The Miz is so good. Like, he just, yeah, it, it just, I don't know what it was. There's something in my brain just was like, he has come on, like you said, he has come on so far. And he's just, yeah, he's just excellent. He's just excellent at what he does. And, I, you know, well, he's not the best person in the ring, but he doesn't need to be because he's got everything else down so well. I absolutely think that if that was part of the story, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Well, imagine if we had this Miz uh, back at WrestleMania 27 with the whole um, Rock and Cena thing. I don't think he would have been lost as lost in the shuffle. I think he would have actually stood a chance toe-to-toe with them with his new promo skills. and his. Uh, he is a lot better in the ring. He's still not the most amazing person, but he can hold his own and put on probably a four-star match or something. No, it's true. Like, right? he can, he's, he's definitely better. Than... Match. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he was so lost in the shuffle back in 2011 it was basically John Cena and the rock and then oh look look who's in the background it just ha- it just happens to be the miss so I, I think i think i think i think if through just what he's achieved if nothing else he probably deserves another go around so if they are going to go in that direction i certainly wouldn't be against it we'll have to wait and see uh before we do start to wrap things up i do want to get in a, what's your opinion of sort of the wrestling world outside of the wwe uh, do you care about new japan all in ring of honor like the bullet club do you have any interest in that uh yeah i do in fact i'm actually um i'm actually wearing a new japan top at the minute and there we go i got a slip through the letterbox saying i need to go and pick up another one (laughs) um but i mean i've watched all in as well and um i may have bribed my girlfriend with a takeaway pizza to sit down and watch it with me nice nice good i like it all these plans down uh but yeah i mean it's absolutely amazing and um i'll admit there's some English promotions, I don't get the chance to watch. Um, WOS, I've still got them all saved, um, saved on my Skybox to watch. Right, so you're in so much content. But so you are yeah. in now. Now you're just trying to get as much as you can. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to catch up. I mean, I'm watching um, independent stuff online. I, um, I've got a New Japan subscription to watch that stuff as well. And now, now with the whole Neville thing, I'm trying to factor in Dra- Dragon Gate as well. Oh man, that's great! <laughs> We're never going to Dragon Gate was nuts. I mean, when you actually think about it, it's not that surprising at all. You know, after you've come out of a place where you didn't like, going back to a place where you were exceptionally liked makes perfect sense. But yeah, I said that on a video that just went up on What Culture. Actually, I think I think I think it will get eyes on Dragon Gate. I really do. I think Neville has a proper star power to him now. I'll, I'll admit, I was I actually watched it. Um, the video you put up probably about a half an hour before this. There we go. Uh, before this. Everyone and go and do it. I, I agree. It, it was a good video and it makes a very good point and I think he is where he needs to be. Yeah, I, honestly, he's bet on himself here and anytime anybody does that, I have massive respect and I think he's really going to benefit. I think he's going to become an absolutely huge deal. I really do. I'll admit I was, um, I was kind of pulling for him to go to like um, NGW or Defiant or somewhere up in the north of England, just out of out of pure like want for myself, since I live up that way. Well, dude, <laughs> you never know. That's all I will say. You never know where never will turn up next. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, so, before we do end this episode of Simon's Progress and Podcast, I have one more question for you, my friend. It's nice mm-hmm. and simple. January two thousand nineteen. Cody Rhodes, the Bullet Club, uh, the Young Bucks, all the Kenny Omega, all those dudes' contracts are due. Are they going to WWE or? Are they staying on the independent scene to try and turn that into something that is even bigger than it is now? I think I think they'll sign a one or two year extension, stay out of WWE, 
do all into and improve because at the minute they are on such a rise yeah that if they held out for another year or so they they could be they could be rainmakers when they went to wwe they could be shot callers so you don't think 2019 but you think maybe 2020 20 maybe 2021 i can see it happening because then they're not stupid um they will go where the, the money is if they can get the right terms um and when they've done everything they can do and they've done all the ventures they want to do um and maybe maybe they get some creative control maybe they can wank, like um just you know put that into the deal because they're such big deals but i think at the minute they're doing such a great like such a great thing on their own like all in was such an amazing success i can't wait like i can't wait for number two i was about two seconds after the video feed cut out i was there like i want to see the second one so yeah yeah, cody keeps teasing uh double or nothing right that's the that's the term he keeps using yeah i think he used it um the other week as well um at something i can't remember what it was I think they have to do another one. I think they'd be crazy not to. Right? Like, how can you have something that's that successful as a promoter? I'm sure they made loads of money. I don't think that's their motivator, but I think it certainly has to come into the equation. To not do another one just seems crazy to me. I mean, when you can make such a big thing on your own and include penis druids and it still being a massive <laughs> thing, then you know you're onto something. I agree. What did you think of the penis druids? That's how we'll end this conversation, my friend. How would you think of the penis druids? <laughs> Uh, I loved the match before it, and I loved the segment of the penis droids. It just belted me out of laughter. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about entertainment. I can understand if you're trying to pitch this product to a mainstream audience and accessibility, yes. Maybe that went off piste a little bit. However, still brilliant. Like That's what wrestling's all about. Wrestling is stupid, so we may as well stick to it. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. I mean, when you can get entertainment like that, and it, it's just great. It just keeps... Keeps you hooked in, makes you want more. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I thought All In was great. I, I really, really did. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, well, Thomas, I want to say thank you very much for your time and your patrons, of course. It means the world to me and I really do appreciate it. That's all right, no problem. And thank you very much for joining me on the podcast as well. Episode 101, if you can believe. How the hell have I done over 100 podcasts? I will never know. Just me ranting into a, <laughs> into a microphone. And as that is the case as well, I would like to thank all the patrons that have ever come on. I love doing these shows, as I've said before. I just think it's really interesting to chat to the wrestling community because everyone's got different opinions. Like we said, the very first thing we did was come up with a top five list that I never would have picked in a million years. But that's the best thing about wrestling. There's variety, there's diversity. You never know who you're going to connect with. It just works. It, it, just, it just does this amazing thing that clicks with certain people, doesn't click with others, and you never know when you're going to come out the, the other side. So uh, before I let you go, Tom, anything you want to promote, social media, anything you have to promote anything, you can say no, but if there's anything you want to get out there, please use the time to do it now. Um, I'll just promote this. I'm going to be probably the only person that actually does do a promotion. <laughs> um, I've got an Instagram account called just Callum Revert, no spaces, and that's just my, me on my journey to try and become a professional wrestler. This is how I was going to end this. Tom and I had a conversation before we began, and he is he's going for it. He's lost a load of weight, and now he's going to try and become a professional wrestler, which to me is the most badass thing in the world. So, man, you've got to keep me informed. You've got to let me know how you get on. We can discuss bumps and head flips and all that kind of stuff and all the bumps and bruises along the way. And then who knows, man, maybe in a year's time we'll meet in the ring and it will be like, what a wonderful world we live in. Well, I'll tell you what, if you have me on again, I've only got four weeks experience from last January before I went and lost all the weight. But there are some funny, funny injury stories if you want to hear them. <laughs> oh, dude, let's absolutely do that. Let's get you back on in a few weeks and we'll do a whole training to be a pro wrestler show. I think that'd be wonderful. 
Sounds good. Done, done. Right, Thomas, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, if you, this is the first time you're listening, you can get me at Simon316 on Instagram, on Twitter, YouTube, The Middle Report Rules. That is where uh, this will be going up. You like to listen to these things on YouTube. The Fire Pro Wrestling competition is now over. I will reveal the winners on next week's episode of Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast on the Wednesday one. Other than that, again, thanks so much for listening to me for over 100 episodes. I appreciate it. Go out there, enjoy wrestling, enjoy Super Showdown, and I will talk to you again very soon. Yeah.